Hi, this is Tristan Zinampan and you're listening to Rapper Podcast. Hi, this is Tristan Zinampan of Hustle and you're listening to Who is a Filipino? Where we try to answer the painfully short but difficult question, Who is the Filipino? Today, we're talking to acclaimed and award-winning documentary filmmaker, Baby Ruth Villarama. And this is actually part two of our conversation with her. Um, if you haven't already, you can catch the first part on Hustle's Inside the Industry podcast, where we talk about the documentary filmmaking industry. Here for Who is a Filipino, we're zooming things out a bit, and we're, we are tracing the Filipino story through the eyes of a documentary filmmaker. So welcome, Baby Ruth. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us again for part two. So this time, we want to... Can you um, also tell us why the theme of the Ang Docu right now is tracing the Filipino story? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we really explore different um, themes and possibilities to uh, you know, define what we want for the Ang Docu uh, because there's really no roadmap yet for documentaries uh, to be connected to uh, the audience. So... We think of yeah, let's let's create a roadmap. Let's trace uh, you know where we want to go and um, how we you know we want to uh, go from where we've started, and we don't want to define it because I mean it's not like you know we're the experts in defining the Filipino identity, or we don't want to say discover the Filipino story because you know we're not really discovering. We've been discovered and rediscovered a lot of times. So uh, we feel like our generation right now. Um, we have a lot of questions that we want, you know, answers, and it's just like let's trace it together, you know, let's let's see what we can find out together um, through these discoveries of Filipino stories um, and documentaries. Okay. And I think it's interesting because um, we're talking about tracing and like the idea of documentaries, the practice of documentaries, it's very ingrained in Philippine cinema history. Mm. Diba, right now, this actually. Um, a centennial celebration, ang docu. Hundred years. Yeah, and like one of our earliest forms of filmmaking, I, I don't know what to call them, pro- proto documentaries. Like you just capture the streets of the streets of Manila, you just get slices of slices Kinda of like life. Kind of the Lumiere yeah. Brothers films from France. Yeah, yeah. the the train. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, it came to me as a surprise as well, personally, uh, because we were thought that of course the earliest Filipino film is the Dalagang Bukid. Which was produced in 1919. In 19. That's why the Centennial yeah. of Philippine Cinema started last year, and it's still ongoing right now. Uh, but then, when we dug deeper mm-hmm. and we discovered Filipino footage, like uh, yeah. uh, we even Earlier. discovered nine, the 1911 oh. wow. uh, Manila yeah. Life, mm-hmm. and apparently, there's a relationship between Cebu and London. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, during that time, they, they exchanged abaca, and this was well documented on film by by British filmmakers at the time. Um, so, you know, it's about, you know, tracing that Filipino identity pre-war. Like, who are we uh, during those times? And the beautiful Manila scene. In fact, we're screening it uh, during the closing night at the Daang Docu on March 21. Actually, um, film historian Nick Del Campo would often mention this because, like, he would contest the idea na Okay, 1919, it's the centennial. Then he would say, for what? For narrative film? Mm. Documentaries trace away back yeah. before that. Yeah, and even the one of the earliest recorded uh, documentary film was the funeral of the wife of uh, former president Osmeña. In fact, we, we lost a copy of that, or I don't know, we haven't really um, found one. Um, so that's, you know, that's a lost opportunity for everyone. So, so given this long history of... Um, documentaries in Philippine cinema. Is there such is there such a thing as like 
a Filipino documentary, quote unquote, or like, do we have like a distinct identity when it comes to our documentaries? Um, I think we're united by the fact that we're so diverse and different from one another. Um, I'd like to think, you know, when, when you asked me the question, what is a Filipino? Initially, I thought, oh, maybe a Filipino is every one who wakes up every day at four o'clock in the morning to commute to work. But that's Manila setting. Yeah. When we think about a Filipino, uh, you know, living in one of the islands in the Visayas, uh, he is a fisherman. You know, man providing for his family, uh, taking the boat, and you know, experiencing life differently from what we experience here in the city. And there's or also even just outside of NCR region. Even well. outside NCR, you know, we are farmers, we are um, warriors, we are soldiers, we are migrant workers living in in different countries. Um, so the Filipino identity is so diverse, and that i mean having said that that also defines the filipino documentaries um our stories are so diverse are so different um but we are united by our differences and that's i think that's a beautiful thing so you mentioned already identity and capturing um these um individual stories as a documentarian it's like it's part of your responsibility to maintain some form of quote-unquote objectivity so, and this objectivity is also important in shaping narratives and identities. Because, example, like Pao here, he only mm-hmm. learned about the plight of the OFWs in Hong Kong because of your film, Sonny V. Tuin. I know, me yeah. too. I've, al- I've, I've only discovered yeah, the specificities of it through the documentary that we did. So, um, um, how do you, uh, what's the challenge in like, how do you stop yourself from inserting yourself into the narrative? Or how do you maintain this um quote-unquote objectivity? Um, I think aside from objectivity, you also need to have an open mind to it and leave your biases on the side because it's so easy um, you know, to put your own um, philosophy, ideology, and opinions about certain people that you talk to. Uh, but then I realized when you're a documentary filmmaker, you're having a conversation with people that uh, who is so different from you, who, ha- who has a different, totally different belief from you. So... Um, you are not, you know, that person. You do not represent the story through, through my own perspective, but through a camera that's with me. I'm just a medium, uh, as they say that you know, um, if narrative film is directed by by you know human beings, documentaries are directed by God, uh, mm. because these people, you know, they walk into your life, uh, the universe present them to you, and it's up mm. to you as a documentary filmmaker. Um, to show them to people, you know, so that people can understand uh, each other uh, better. You mentioned the part about documentaries being directed by God. You're yeah. like a fly mm. on the wall. Yeah. yeah. I'm reminded lang mm. of like how Werner Herzog would say, mm. "What's important is the ecstatic truth." Or <laughs> it's, it's like he he would he he would defend inserting himself into the narrative, like shaping the narrative based on his perception. What's your take on that? Like the quote-unquote ecstatic truth? Like my, my style has always been a balance of information and sensation. Okay. 
um, I came from television mm. documentary making. You know, I cannot deny that television is highly an informative medium, but cinema is a highly sensational medium. So um, being exposed to two worlds, I decided, okay, this will be my aesthetics. I'd like to inform people and give them the necessary um, truth that they should know from the perspective of the characters that I document. But at the, sa at the same time, um, it's important to capture their emotional language and the things that they don't really say, you know, the gray areas mm -hmm. that's so important in documentary. Um, because there are so many things that we as human beings, we don't really tell our secrets, you know, to people. We have certain emotions that cannot be explained in words. But with documentary, I mean, if you have a keen eye in capturing the unspoken words, and that's pure documentary cinema for me. So it's, it, it, it needs to have a balance of, of information and sensation so the people can grasp what humanity is all about. Have you had any challenges na, like, paano ko ba ibabalance to? Like, I captured something and how can I, how do I crack this? Have you ever had those moments? Oh yeah, uh, a lot of times, yeah. um, especially when, when you're in the field, um, because it comes in different stages. Uh, when you're in the field, we, you talk about access and you talk about capturing it as beautifully as possible, um, using you know um, the, the techniques of cinematography and sound that you lear you've learned um, in school and, in, and through your experience. But the balancing act comes in post-production. Not all people yes. know this. Uh, because the access, it's there. Uh, it's either you get it or not. Sometimes you get a little too much of what you're supposed to get. I remember documenting a, a gay couple um, in the South, in Davao, uh, Jazz in Love. That's the title of the documentary yeah. that we did. It opened the 2013 Cinemalaya Film Festival. For the first time, a documentary opened a narrative festival. Wow. Um, I remember... While we were filming there, we spent about, I guess, 21 days with them. Um, and we were able to film their lovemaking. Accidentally, not deliberately, because um, they forgot to turn off. The wow. The, I mean, normally <laughs> yeah. we leave the cameras with them or the sound on, you know. We were able to capture certain things um, so private and so intimate. But then, you, you know, you have this potent power in front of you. Um, so it's your decision to take care of your character, to make sure that their integrity and their dignity are, you know, uh, preserved. And because, you know, I don't think people should also know about that. That's so crazy. I mean, I'm sure mm. you had to have a conversation with them immediately about it and, and how comfortable they were with, uh, with how much of that story that they wanted to give because you accidentally <laughs> recorded that. Ah, yeah, I told them like um, because yeah, uh, I think Dexter was the one. My cinematographer okay. was the one who called me. Like, I think that the um, the sound is still on. So it was I think about midnight. Um, we should and then I called them. Jazz, um, please turn off your sound and yeah, can we pick up the camera uh, when you're done? We didn't wait until the following yeah, day. Sure. Yeah, sure. No, but but that's but that's brilliant. And I think in many ways you must have been rewarded with with their trust, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we I think we spent about six months. We studied Deutsch, the Deutsch language together. Yeah, that's the beauty, the beauty of uh, Jazz's um, journey, because you know he he just have this simple dream to get married um, to the man that he loves. But the thing is, um, same-sex marriage is not allowed here in the Philippines, so he needed to migrate to another place. And before one can even do that, um, because his boyfriend is is a German, so he needed to study the, the German language, which is Deutsch. So we studied it together. <laughs> Speaking of um, 
like the LGBT Davao. Uh, how do you um, reconcile na, okay, I have a different perspective, but I'm gonna document um, Bisaya stories. I'm gonna document the story of an LGBT couple. I think you just have to be labeled blind about it and gender blind about it. I mean, if you if you force your women perspective into an LGBT you know story, I don't think it it will work because my perspective is different from theirs. But you know, if you just try to understand and keep an open mind um, to the truth that they're willing to present, um, it's it's for the audience to decide, and it's for you know, and the, your intention as a storyteller, because my intention um, for doing LGBT issue is for people to understand and for people to give you know uh, this minority sector a chance to be happy. That, that's the basic thing that we're all fighting for, really to be given a chance to be happy and to be free and to choose whoever you want to make love with. And and I guess the status quo makes it so dif- difficult for a lot of people. So I just realized, okay, I have a camera, I have this maybe small power, maybe to convince people, you know, to think otherwise. So it's I might- big power. So <laughs> I might as well, yeah, uh, you know, use that opportunity uh, to, yeah, to empathize with the voice of, of, of these people. So yeah. you say that empathy is like a cornerstone. Of, oh, yeah. If you chemistry. don't have empathy, if you force your ideology to, to your characters, um, like there's really no story to talk about. Um, if you're preaching about what's right and wrong, um, who are we to say what's right and wrong? I think a problem with the Philippine film industry in general, like we're not that mature when it comes to... Um, archiving. I know. I, I'm left speechless just thinking about it because uh, even you know while we're mounting this documentary festival, we really had a hard time uh, finding um, old footage and reels of of you know our story. Um, and we're even talking about what 20 years earlier than us. That's not even so long ago. Um, the earliest ones that we found are like Ed Sawan footage or some rare 1970s, but the 60s, 50s, so they're so difficult mm. to find. It's so difficult to find. So what were like the challenges curating our story and then parang oh, wala puro si Rayma footage, it's so hard to find. Yeah, I mean you have so many ideas in your mind to present, you know, our history in a chronological order, but we realize if we talk about chronology, we talk about the highlights, maybe political documentaries because those are the news. But the ordinary lives of people, you know, the Manila streets. Mm stuff like that the war we were not thought about even the japanese are curious they want to come to the philippines to to watch that documentary it's such a personal documentary done by a japanese filmmaker here in the philippines the filmmaker already passed away but we're screening the film the wife gave us the license mm-hmm. yes please screen this film because these are certain truths that were not documented by the mainstream media at the time but because of independent filmmakers, we were able to see the other side, these personal stories. And these are very important parts of our identity as we trace it. And uh, especially coming from me and and the world I come from, I actually, uh, I've spent the past 10 years in New York and I also uh, organized the Sinhensa Summer that we have at the Philippine Consulate of New York. I'm pretty sure we've, we reached out for uh, Sunday Beauty Queen or we, we tried to get Sunday Beauty Queen a couple of times. But my point is I'm surrounded by so many Filipinos who have grown uh, so distant from the motherland 
that uh, what you're saying, uh, the power of documentary and the power of archiving uh, that Tristan mentioned becomes uh, more crucial than ever for these people. Do you think that uh, in our previous podcast, we talked about the boom in accessibility of like streaming of documentaries. Do you think that there is truly a boom in documentary viewing, especially for young Filipinos trying to figure out their history and uh, and what's what's going on here right now? Yeah, I totally agree that there's a growing curiosity, uh, especially for the third generation of Filipinos living abroad and now the millennials, you know, who who don't really have a clear sense of where they came from, uh, except for the stories of their parents, probably the things that they read on online, but not really, you know, this priceless documentation of, you know, of where we came from, uh, maybe snippets of uh, the Ed so on, but not the personal journey of, you know, of our grandparents. So without this uh, archival materials, it's like looking into uh, a family without a family album. So a documentary is like a family album of a nation. And you know, that's so important. If we don't have that, we don't have an identity. I mean, look at, look at European countries. In fairness to them, look at you know, Japan, look at South Korea. They know their past, they know their history, they know the colors, the palette of their samurai warriors. It's this, it's this visual, the paintings, uh, the, the news clippings, and you know, the I guess the architecture of their past, they were able to preserve it. And it's, it's really important now more than ever for us. Our generation is at its peak to really define who are we really as Filipinos? Where are we placing ourselves? Are we still um, traces of, you know, of this colonialism uh, that has defined uh, the previous generation? I think it, it, we're at this stage of our time where we are owning who we are as Filipinos. Me personally, I'm finding some sort of dissonance because it's like, okay, we are one of the most active on social media right. um, as a people. Yeah. Like, we document everything. We IG the everything. Food, we tweet the, everything. The yeah. makeup, the clothes. Waking pretty, up in the morning. Yeah. Pretty think like, I woke up like this, <laughs> hashtag. Pretty think like, you know, we, we are consuming, is there like a renewed interest in documentaries? Because like when I notice film festivals, it's like always, there's, there are like two slots for documentaries. And then like even in criticism where where I came from, it's like some filmmakers like that this was like three years ago, and then one of the filmmakers of Q Cinema said, review narrative. Do you think even though we are so obsessed with documentation, we it doesn't translate exactly to us consuming documentaries or anaba? Am I mistaken? I'd like to think that there's still fear to face the truth about who we are. I mean, even you know, if you look at ourselves, like internally, our individual selves, um, there's so many aspects that we refuse to face. So we're we're um, drowning ourselves, you know, with I, I hate to say this, but with the superficials, uh, you know, of whatever that looks cool or you know the imagery of cool at the moment, but. Um, like the mere fact that we're mounting a documentary festival, that says a lot. You know, I think there's there's now a, a push um, to really uh, celebrate uh, who we are and trace our identity. And even the call for entries, even Netflix, the highest um, traffic of people watching, um, you know, content in Netflix are documentaries. You've talked about um, how now more than ever, documentary filmmaking is needed. Like. You you spoke that it's it's an era of fake news. So it is, yeah. So how do you see documentary filmmaking um, 
moving moving forward from now on like how does it how will it shape mm. the Filipino identity I mean especially now that the, the, the internet you know is being used to weaponize uh, perception uh, to weaponize people against each other I think we really need to go back um, to our core and use the power of uh, documentaries to really do stories that can neutralize uh, you know things and to also propagate the more important and significant uh, issues that we have to face um, that's the, that's the funny thing is because people a lot of people think documentaries are you know if it's documentaries it has to be serious it needs to be issue based we haven't really you know document our food uh, totally I mean we, right. we've, we've we've done you know small bits and pieces of food documentary but do we really understand the food that we're eating um, the the culture behind it the inspiration the chefs uh, their personal journey you know like Chef's Table it's so beautiful it's a documentary yeah. but. I mean, how? I mean, just to even imagine how diverse our our food and our menus here in the Philippines. I yeah, mean, I had I actually yeah. had the pleasure of uh, catching Ulam at the Asian American International Film Festival, and even that alone that touches a bit on Filipino cuisine, as in in terms of just the cuisine, but it's more about uh, Filipino uh, restaurant culture in America. So that's already a very niche aspect, and I think what you're saying is there's a whole. There are whole universes and whole worlds uh, within documentary subjects, yeah. within documentary topics, and uh, even I think Filipino fashion industry. I'm, yeah. I'm curious to know, you know, the the love and the pain, the birth pains of the you know fashion designers here in the Philippines. Yeah, and uh, I think maybe maybe where we're at right now is just the entry point. We're seeing the bigger picture, and then from there we can like go in and learn more. And going to uh, what you said. Uh, about the Filipino identity being being diversity itself and being the amalgamation of all these stories. So we're going to ask you uh, what we ask everybody else. But last of all, to you, who is the Filipino? For me, the Filipino is uh, everyone who wakes up in the morning um, giving you know all that he has for his family. We did this interesting mm -hmm. uh, value formation survey uh, at the NCCA, and we ask, I think, uh, I think about two million Filipinos around the country, and we ask this uh, quest, simple question: What is the most important thing to you as a Filipino? And I'd like to define a Filipino based on uh, the answers to that question. Mm -hmm. And for them, you know, for most Filipinos, fi uh, a Filipino is about love. A Filipino is about family. A Filipino is about nationhood and a sense of purpose. Um, regardless of your background, regardless of your religious belief, we're so diverse. I agree. I mean, as I said earlier, we're united with our diversity. Um, but a Filipino is all that, you know. Uh, a Filipino is a hopeless romantic. Mm -hmm. uh, a Filipino is a jeepney driver who's the best lover in the world. Driver. Uh, a Filipino is the best musician uh, for me. Uh, I don't know. I could, you know, say all those uh, endlessly mm -hmm. about you know who a, the, a Filipino is but a Filipino is a storyteller we are as uh, as Filipino filmmakers and uh, film promoters we are at the very forefront of shaping Filipino identity for the future so on that note um, thanks again for joining us baby Ruth so um, 
Can yeah. you tell us more about um, the Andokyo again? Can you invite the listeners to? Yeah. So the, uh, yeah, I'd like to invite everyone uh, to experience and be part of history. Be part of the Andokyo uh, Film Festival on March 16 to 21 at the UPFI Film Center. Uh, on March 16 will be the opening night featuring uh, Alex Arumpak Aswang. Um, it will be hosted by Cheche Lazaro, the Queen of Integrity, mm-hmm. and the film will be introduced by uh, the Honorable Conchita Carpio Morales, uh, and also Senator Lauren Legarda uh, will be there because wow. she's one. She's, I mean, we all know that you know she's just a great documentary journalist herself during her time, and uh, she's one of the um, sponsors of the event. And on the second day, Boy Abunda presents Karma ng Kalikasan. Um, and we're inviting everyone, you know, all those environmentalists, the green warriors. To fast talk with To fast talk, talk with, with Tito me. Boy and discuss <laughs> about the environment. Yeah. No, because he, he yeah. personally chose that day because he said, you know, you know, I'm an advocate of, not all people um, know about it, but uh, apparently he's an advocate uh, really? of, of the environment. And on the third day, Atom Araulio presents Nation in Perspective. Um, where um, really great documentaries uh, will be presented defining the history of our nation. There will be Talks in the Morning by Nick De Ocampo. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) telling about the history of documentary filmmaking and how it defined our own uh, Philippine history through uh, these lenses. Mm. Uh, And March 19, ABS-CBN will present Off the Record and Taboos. So they're presenting, uh, I think their latest documentary is called Invisible. It's about mental health. So it will be uh, moderated by Shara Sembrano and Bayao Jun Sabayton. Nice, Jun um, Sabayton. Yeah. yeah. Interesting so, combo. Inter- very interesting combo. <laughs> Shara uh, with experts, so we can process together, you know, uh, uh, you know our, the things that we don't really talk about, but we have to talk about it. So it's a safe space for everyone. And then on March 20 uh, will be GMA uh, 7 days. So they will have a mobile journalism workshop with Cara David, again, Atom Araulio and Rafi Lerma, and they will present um, different documentaries from their lot. And finally, on the 21st of March, the oldest existing Filipino footage uh, wow. found uh, from the British Film Archive. Uh, it's coming home, and it will close the festival uh, with live music, and wow. of course, an after party. We need to party after <laughs> all. After <laughs> this six-day festival. festival. Without a party, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so UPFI has allowed us to booze and, you know, to have booze <laughs> and drink. Uh, so, yeah. So I'm inviting everyone. Just come, you know. If if you're a storyteller, if you're finding, I don't know, yourself, you know, just yeah. come. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see you there. Thanks again for joining us today, Baby Ruth. So again, catch part one of our conversation with Baby Ruth on hustles inside the industry. And thank you all for listening. Again, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Hustle Inside the Industry and Who Is the Filipino on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks again, Baby Ruth. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rappler. Thank you.